1: Everyone is traveling for the summer, and most are worried about scheduling PTO or remembering to pack sunscreen. Non-citizens who want to travel have a whole host of different, more pressing concerns. Thank you for joining us for the first in a two-part series covering summer travel for non-citizens. Today we are covering COVID-19-related travel issues, obtaining a visa stamp abroad, automatic visa revalidation, and visa validity periods. This is Immigration and Summer Travel Part 1 with Ogletree Deacons. I'm Christina Kelly, and I'm an associate at Ogletree Deacon's Boston office. Today, we are joined by Claudia Martorell, a shareholder out of our San Diego office. Claudia, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Christina. I'm happy to be here. So let's talk travel and specifically travel in the time of COVID. Lately, the United States has been lifting several travel restrictions related to COVID-19. What are your thoughts on the continued impact of the pandemic on travel? Well, COVID is
0: certainly still impacting travel to the United States. Although most restrictions have been lifted, some remain and apply depending on the traveler's immigration status. Travel requirements differ for someone with a non-immigrant visa versus a permanent
1: resident or a U.S. citizen, for instance. The COVID-19 testing, masking, and vaccination requirements have caused a lot of confusion. Could you break down what is currently required for entry into the U.S.? Sure. So as it currently
0: stands, there are no COVID-19 testing or proof of recovery from COVID-19 or masking requirements. Those have all been lifted. But vaccinations are still a requirement. Non-immigrants, whether entering by land, sea, or air need to be fully vaccinated to enter the United States, with a few exceptions. Those include children under the age of 18, those with a medical contraindication, and individuals from countries with limited vaccine availability. U.S. citizens, lawful permanent residents or green card holders, and U.S. nationals are not subject
1: to the vaccination requirements. Along with these changing requirements for entering the U.S., there have been a lot of COVID-related changes at the consulates. Could you highlight some of the major considerations that non-citizens should take into account with regards to attempting to obtain a visa stamp abroad?
0: Absolutely, COVID-19 has significantly impacted visa issuance at consulates worldwide. We're seeing lengthy delays for visa appointments. Applicants can monitor appointment wait times on the Department of State's website for each consular post, but these are not always accurate. Staffing shortages, lack of interview availability, and case backlogs have created a perfect storm to delay visa issuance abroad. To address some of these issues, the Department of State has expanded visa interview waiver guidelines. Until the end of 2022, certain applicants for visas, such as FJLOP, amongst others, including dependent visas, can apply for a visa without an interview, provided they meet certain guidelines. For those who have been issued any type of visa previously, they must be applying in their country of nationality or residence. They must never have been refused a visa previously. They cannot be ineligible to receive a visa, and they must be applying within 48 months of the expiration of a prior visa. For those who have never received a visa before, An interview can still be waived if they are citizens of a visa waiver country and if they have traveled to the U.S. on a visa waiver, that is the ESTA authorization previously. However, regardless of whether or not the visa interview waiver is approved, consulates still have discretion to call the applicant in for an interview. The website of the relevant U.S. Embassy or consulate should verify exact requirements which may or may not align with the suggested guidelines issued by the Department of State as these requirements vary from
1: consulate to consulate. Is there a way to request an expedited visa appointment?
0: Yes, there is. Generally, if there is an urgent need to travel to the U.S., a visa applicant can request an expedited appointment. Usually, the visa applicant will need to schedule an appointment in the regular appointment queue before the expedited appointment can be requested. Requirements vary, and there are no guarantees of approval, though. Guidelines can be found on the appointment system or on the consulate's
1: website. Given these delays at consulates, visa applicants often ask if they can apply for a visa at a foreign consulate not in their home country, oftentimes in Canada or Mexico, to speed up the visa issuance process. Could you lay out some of the potential roadblocks with obtaining a visa as a third country national?
0: Of course. The Department of State recommends that visa applicants apply in their home country or the country of their residence, but as long as a consulate accepts third country nationals, applying in a third country is an option. So a third country national is someone who is not lawfully living in that third country. Pre-pandemic, traveling to Canada or traveling to Mexico for visa stamping was a common practice. But currently, because of COVID, the policy in Mexico, for instance, as listed on the MC's website, is that Mexico is not accepting routine Third-country national visa applications. Again, this varies country by country. Information on third-country national processing should be listed on each individual consulate's website. That said, individuals should consider the following when thinking of applying in a country other than their home country. First, there's no way to confirm appointment availability in advance until a visa applicant has completed the DS-160 visa application form for that country. They pay the application fee and then tries to schedule. There is some guidance on the, on the consulate's website as far as when the next available visa appointment might be available but there's no way to truly confirm until somebody tries to schedule their appointment. Also, does the applicant have the ability to travel to the third country for an interview or is a separate visa required? And what if the visa is denied? The applicant would probably need to go back to their home country. What about if the visa is delayed? Do they have the ability to stay in that country? Should there be delays in visa issuance? Has the applicant ever been out of status? Generally, this would require that the visa application be made in their home country. Also, the consulate can prioritize citizens of that country or residents of that country over third country nationals, giving only certain slots to third country nationals, thus potentially increasing appointment wait times.
1: I want to move to automatic visa revalidation since it is often the next workaround that many people turn to in order to avoid the visa stamping process. Is it really the magic bullet that people hope it is?
0: Somewhat. Automatic visa revalidation allows for travel with an expired visa or a visa in a different category than the person's current status. The requirements for automatic visa revalidation are... That the traveler be traveling only to Canada or Mexico, or if they are in F or J status, they may travel to an adjacent island, but not to Cuba. The travel must be for 30 days or less. They must have a valid, unexpired I-94 document, and they cannot have applied for a visa while abroad.
1: I know we're running short on time here, but I did wanna touch upon one question that I get a lot in my practice regarding the significance of visa stamp validity periods versus I-94 validity periods. Could you give us a quick primer on how that works and what to keep an eye out for?
0: Definitely, it is indeed very confusing because the visa stamp functions effectively like a plane ticket. The non-immigrant needs that valid visa stamp in order to enter the US. It is only a travel document that only needs to be valid on the day of admission to the U.S., except, of course, of traveling under automatic visa revalidation, as just discussed. The I-94 document, on the other hand, is what controls the category and authorized state in the United States. Therefore, while a visa stamp can expire after entry to the U.S., the I-94 needs to remain valid at all times. The I-94 can be issued in one of two ways, on entry to the U.S. by U.S. Customs and Border Protection, or CBP, and through U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, or USCIS, at the bottom of an I-797 approval notice. The exception is that the approval is for consular notification. In that case, the approval will not have the detachable I-94 at the bottom. The last issued I-94 is the one that controls the status. Therefore, it is important to download and check the I-94 from the CBP website after each admission to the US, even if the I-94 issued by USCIS on an approval notice is still valid. Travelers should confirm that the status listed is correct and that the expiration date is correct. The expiration date can be cut short due to an error. For instance, the officer may issue the validity of the I-94 until the visa expiration date, which is not correct, or they may limit the I-94 validity to the passport expiration date, which would be correct. Errors can be corrected, but being cut short because of a passport expiration cannot be corrected. Therefore, passports should be renewed well in advance to avoid this issue. Overstaying a 994 can have very serious consequences.
1: Thank you so much for going over all these issues with us. Hopefully, this helps our listeners to feel a little more knowledgeable and more comfortable taking their trips this summer.
0: Of course. I hope this information was helpful.
1: Join us next time for part two of our travel series where we'll cover travel with an H-1B cap case, travel while in the green card process, emergency advance parole, and more. Until then, take care and be well.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.